American Craftsman Podcast is sponsored by Hayfla. Hayfla offers a wide range of products and solutions for the woodworking and furniture making industries. From hinges and drawer slides to connectors and dowels, sandpaper, shop carts, wood glue, and everything in between. Exclusive product lines such as Looks LED lighting and Slido door hardware ensure that every project you create is built to last. Learn more at Hayfla.com. Welcome back. <laughs> Did James Brown get you there? I love James Brown. I do feel good. We love James Brown too. Uh, so we're joined today by our new friend, Sharon Sherman. Well, maybe not new. Sort of old. New new meeting in person, friends. Yeah, that's true. Um, so what do you think of us? So far, so good. Yeah. <laughs> Part of our designer showcase series. Yeah. So you're um, what the third interior yeah. designer we've yeah. had on. Well, I guess number three, I'll take three. I could have been one, but it's okay. Three is not bad. It's a good number. Universal number three. Yeah. What did my son say? He's five. He said, have you ever heard uh, first is the worst, second's the best, and third, I forget what he said. It was something that I didn't recognize. <laughs> but you know how kids are when they're five, they just come home from school with these, you know. The wisdom of children should never be overlooked. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Because they're they're completely unadulterated. Yeah, they're not limited by what they perceive, what they understand. You know, it's all new. It's all it's all there for their astonishment and their discovery. You know, mm-hmm. unfortunately, as adults, I think we lose some of that, which is really kind of sad. Yeah. yeah, that's that's one of the best parts about having a kid is um, they remind you of all these things that you know you've forgotten over. You know, I'm I just turned thirty five, so over thirty five years, you forget all of these simple things and, you know. And then they become adult children. Yeah. yeah. That, that's, enough, that's a topic for another podcast. Yeah. That was like my mom. She's like, I can't believe you're 35. I, you know, I still remember the day you were born. Yeah, I have a 30 year old. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same thing. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Right. Yeah. But it is, it's really nice to be here with you guys. And the fact that you were so close to where I am mm-hmm. um, in New Jersey is even more exciting. Um, um, we were talking about the fact that we met on clubhouse. Yeah. That crazy. Um, momentary, exciting new format that was out, which I think is still probably running. Um, but since I'm back to work quite as much, not on. But I do believe that, you know, the universe conspires to bring people together as they should. And I think that was definitely a, um, a way to bring us together. And it just took a little while until it turned into something a little bit more. But I'm, I'm very excited about what we're going to be doing together. Yeah, us yeah, too. Uh, yeah. It's definitely, definitely. A, a long game, you know, in this industry. You know, you make connections and it, it takes takes a lot of time to to get linked up with someone and to to finally collaborate on a project Agreed. you know because everybody is so i don't want to not set in their ways but everyone has someone and you know we can only accomplish so many projects per year so it's like to get into something new it's really a big commitment and, a, and it could be a big jump and it's fear you know i think i always say they're the two strongest emotions right they're fear and love so fear of trying something new loving maybe who you are involved with Currently, well, mm-hmm. that sounds like a, a personal relationship here. But, um, you know, for me, it just was the next natural step. I'm like, there's a reason that I met these guys. And um, I think it's it's time for me to get over my fear of trying something new. And um, I feel really good about it. I'm really excited about these projects that are coming up. Yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah, so why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what you do and uh, 
Um, we Maybe start your origins there. Yeah. of, you know, how you got into design. And- 5,000 years ago. No. Um, <laughs> in a galaxy far, far away. In a galaxy away. far, far away. I am actually, you know, they talk about being a cradle Catholic. I am a cradle interior designer. Mm-hmm. So that is what I went to school for. Cool. Um, it started, we grew up, I, we didn't have a lot of money. And um, a lot of the furnishings in our home came from things that my mom would find on the side of the road that we would take home and lovingly restore. Um, I think that's where my love for antiques came from Mm -hmm. and really restoring things and and understanding how things are designed and how they're built and how they're put together. And that was probably the beginning of it. And then went to school, studied interior design, uh, got a job working with a very well-known store that was very, very involved in high-end interior design. And I realized that this isn't quite, white what I wanted. And I was very bold, you know, back in the day, which was many, many years ago, um, you used to use the yellow pages to find a place to go to work. <laughs> I brought that so, up before. <laughs> you have. So now I've dated myself. Thank you very much. And um, I was flipping through the yellow pages saying, what am I going to do with this degree? And I had this great internship. And I very boldly um, sent out 20 resumes to 20 different places, three of the people I knew Um, and from that, I got five interviews and one of them was a kitchen and bath design, um, showroom and they offered me a job and I, I took it and that was 1982. So (laughs) I have been uh, doing this a really long time. And then I was 40 and a client of mine said to me, uh, if you don't go into your own business, you're going to look back when you're 60 and kick yourself in the tail. And he said it to me often enough. He did not offer any financial assistance. He just was (laughs) offering me the thought that I should really do this on my own. And in 2002, I launched launched Time and Place Design because it was time for me to get my own place. And that was how the company started. And, you know, 22 years now, I've been doing what I love, which is really kitchens, bathrooms, millwork, and then associated interior design if it's the right client in the right situation, because I, you know, furniture is lovely and fabrics are lovely, but my, my love is, is really the woodworking, like walking into your shop, smelling the sawdust, um, feeling the wood, what it know, knowing that it came from something that was alive mm-hmm. and, um, you know, just connecting with those materials for me is what's really profoundly important. So, um, as they come into my clients' homes, it really is taking that and bringing it into someone's home, which is their sanctuary, which is their really their private escape from the world, um, bringing those natural materials in and, and helping those be in places that, let's face it, kitchens are really important uh, when you know, you know about food, yeah. right? And preparing food, that's, that's a love language for a lot of people, nourishing their families. And, you know, in, in other rooms of, of homes and bathrooms and and even designing furniture, you know, it's a very intimate, um, very intimate thing to do is to build a piece of furniture that's going to be part of somebody's home. Oh, yeah. And something that serves the client, you know, we're, um, we're working on like a sofa table right now for a client. And we've gone back and forth, you know, about four or five times already, just refining, making small changes just to, you know, we're trying to make it perfect. And, you know, she's, um, she has a long history of, you know, she found an interior designer to do her kitchen and everything in a magazine who did it remotely from San Francisco back in the 80s. Wow. Um, and she still has it like, you know, and that's what we talk about. It's like we want to design things that people keep for 30, 40, 
50, 100 years. Um, and that's important to me. You know, so many of my clients will call me back and they'll say, Jarrett, you did, you remember when you did my kitchen, right? It was 20 plus years ago and we're selling the house. And I just want you to know people come in and they're like, wow, you just redid the kitchen. And that's really important to me. So we really describe our company as creating timeless luxury. And luxury for me is comfort. Luxury for me is personalization. Luxury for me is quality. Luxury for me is a respect for the products. So that's creating that timeless luxury and using it in a way that I call creating soulful interiors, right? So that really have that connection. Um, Because I think, you know, I go for walks in the morning and I just see furniture just cast off on the side of the road. That's not a really high quality. I mean, what I was able to collect with my mother when I was younger was is a different quality of furniture. And yeah, we took some crazy old piece of maple furniture. I painted it, you know, black lacquer and put bright yellow lacquer drawer covers on it. And um, so I changed the changed it. But keeping things out of a landfill, you know, I mean, you know, the construction industry oh, yeah. and the furniture industry is a huge contributor to landfill waste and and I think it's really important that we are building things that are going to last and that stand the test of time. I'm not a trend follower. I do a lot of industry talks and they're always like, what's the latest trend? And I'm like, I can't really speak to what the latest trend is because I just know what's important to me. And it's not, oh, this is the latest shade of whatever that you're going to put in that's going to be out next year. Yeah, that's important. They've already figured out what works. You know, they figured that out a thousand years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Now we just need to interpret it, <laughs> you know, into something that works for today. Yeah. You know, we and have books back here. You um, go them. What is the, uh, what, that Italian guy? We did yeah. a whole, our whole season two was about the 12 periods of American furniture. And we talked about, you know, the genesis, you know, they were hearkening back to the, the Egyptians, the Greeks, the Romans. And, yeah. you know, they had all the proportion and everything figured out then. Four yeah. books of architecture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's a, there's a big movement that's happening. I'm sure you guys are familiar with it called the Science of Design. And it's really talking about Don Ruggles as an architect, and he's really done a lot of research into this and talking about how we perceive beauty and how you look at things and you look at classic architecture and you can just see those patterns that were created. Golden and ratio. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely, which is still so totally true today. And I, I think those are, those are important, especially, you know, I'm a big naysayer of some AI work that's done because it's like anybody now can type, type anything into a computer with a mm-hmm. couple of keys and have something pop up, which is really is just taking parts of all these things that have already been created. Yep. And they're like, I'm creating products. And I'm like, no, you're really just plagiarizing what other people have done, <laughs> but you're letting the computer take the blame for it. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's the human aspect that has been lost. And I'm, I'm really hoping that that starts to come back into the world of design and into the world of furniture and interiors and homes. And clients know the difference. You know, AI can only take you so far. You, you can't say, you could tell AI, you know, design me a... a 240 inch white oak wall unit with two windows equally spaced. Okay. It'll give you something, but then you start to look at all the nuances that need to be addressed. You need a human who really knows what they're doing, you know, to be able to problem solve and figure out all of these little things and how to make them work, you know, and how it fits into someone's life and how they're going to use it and how they live. You can't prompt that to come back with something that is, is created for Mm -hmm. someone else. And, you know, I, I think it's a great tool I think we can use it in certain ways. I just hope that um, the public and clients really understand that the human-centric factor really needs to still be there, that we can create things and adapt things 
uh, in ways that I, I'm not convinced AI can, although I'm a big sci-fi fan. And, um, and when you're saying a galaxy far, far away, in the future, could it be? Probably. Um, I'm old enough that maybe I won't have to see it because it would make me very, very sad. But I, I think that that human stamp, like what you guys are doing every time you handle a piece of wood and um, every time you create something, that is not going to be done by a picture that's generated by a computer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, I, I, the other side of my business that not everyone knows, I have a wellness business It's called timeless wellbeing and I do Reiki work. Oh, Reiki. That, I go for Reiki. And that energy work is, you know, really important. It's that same connection. It's that universal energy that is coming through someone and then going into, into someone else hmm. that it's not going to, you can't do it through a computer. You can't do it through a keyboard. So I've never done Reiki. No, it's yeah. really cool. I do have a massage appointment on next Saturday. Next Saturday. Yeah. I, well, like your massage in trade, um, many, many years ago, I helped someone out who does Reiki and she's, she wants to give me Reiki for life. I would accept it, uh, and especially so, uh, if it's a good practitioner. I, yeah. <laughs> that's what I do. And it's really just tapping, it's tapping into that energy and tapping into that greater source energy that cannot be put into a machine. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think that's, that's what's super important. Yeah. We, we believe in the, in the, the same things as far as uh, longevity and, uh, and the human connectivity, um, the stuff we built for the church, you mm -hmm. know, was, we've done a lot of work um, for uh, St. Anthony's in Red Bank. You built confessionals and an altar rail and, and the thought that the parishioners are going to be using this for many generations is it's, it's pretty impactful. You know, yeah. we like to put that same kind of thought into everything that we do. And clients will say to me, you know, how did you know it was in my head? How did you know what I needed? How did you change the energy in my home? And when people say things like that to you, you're like, mm -mm. You know, it's Maybe really I interesting. Know <laughs> I do know what I'm doing. And I do know what I'm doing. Um, we intuit a lot of things, but, you know, that's really what design's about. It's changing the environment of the space that people live mm -hmm. and changing it for the better. Obviously, you don't want to change it for the worse. And um, it's really interesting. I took a client who was buying furniture. I was getting counter stools for, and they wanted to be able to try out the counter stools. So, like, okay, I called another client and said, hey, can we come over? She's like, sure, bring them on over. And uh, these clients came in and they were sitting on the, the, the stools. And the client who was test sitting kept rubbing his hands on the countertop. And he is like, what is this? I said, this is a beautiful a quartzite material. He goes, well, why, why doesn't my countertops feel like this? I said, well, I tried to explain this to you. You guys <laughs> wanted something else, which is beautiful and works well. He goes, but it doesn't feel like this. I said, well, it's, you know, it's not, it's got natural quartz crystals in it. So it's, it's an energy, you know, conductor and amplifier. And he's like, I think we have to do another room in the house and put this in. So um, maybe we're going to be able to work that in with the next wall unit that you're going to build for yeah, me. That's but cool. people are starting to connect with it. And I think that's, that's important. You know, that's a really important uh, thing that I, I think that will, will make a difference in the world of design. Yeah. And, you know, <clears throat> people, people tell their friends and family about, you know, their experiences and how, you know, you could have something put in and people say, oh yeah, it looks great. But when they tell you, 
this made the room feel completely different. You know, it's a whole, it's a whole other level of design and millwork when, um, you know, it's something that's palpable and not just like, Oh yeah, it looks nice. looks like mm-hmm. a picture I saw online. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's that different connection. And I, those connections are, you know, that's what we can't do without human connections, right? Really super important. And I mean, you guys love what you do, right? You can yeah. see oh, yeah. it. You've come from different backgrounds. Um, you found something that you can really put your heart and soul into and you know it's going into somebody's home and a little bit of that heart and soul goes along with it. That's why I love antiques so much because I'm like, it comes with the story of wherever this piece of furniture has been and now you're part of the story of that furniture and it's part of your story. And that's what's so cool about it. Yeah, it's a shame. We've talked about it before. Like there's no, not no, but there's like very little antique furniture being made right now. Like it, that will become an antique because it just, it doesn't last. Yeah. It's um, fast fashion. That's, yeah. you know, that's really yeah. a problem. Not well, intended to last. It's right. not intended to last. The planned obsolescence. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yet I will say like my kids who are your age, <laughs> my kids who um, are looking for things. I was visiting down in Charlotte and um, my son's fiance is like, Hey, you want to go to an antique small? I'm like, sure. They had, such a good time. I had a great time looking at everything. She's like, you know what all of this stuff is. I'm like, well, I'm a little passionate about it. They love finding these things mm-hmm. that they can then take and then bring into their homes. Down in High Point Market, the oh, antique yeah. section yeah, it's down there. has got to be the best. My God, it's like Nirvana. Mm-hmm. You just, you wander through and you just pass your hands over some of the things that are there. And you're like, look what this has seen. Like yeah. this butt has been in that chair, yeah. you know, and where was the chair when they were sitting in it? And those are, you know, those are the beautiful parts of these old pieces of furniture. And that's why I think it's changing a little, you know, we're like, oh, nobody wants all the old stuff in my house. Well, they probably do if it's a, if it's a good quality and it's well-made and well-designed, you know, if it's something that is not well-made and not designed, then no, probably nobody's going to want it. But I think it, I think there's, I'm hopeful that there is a turn that's happening and that people are starting to appreciate some of these things again. And I know I'm very busy, so I'm going to assume that may be the case. You were obviously very busy, so for you it is the case. And I think it's just a mindset we have to we have to adapt. Yeah, even for like the mass-produced stuff, you know, we would love, I mean, why isn't High Point the furniture capital of the world anymore? You mm-hmm. know, it was all shipped overseas. And actually, you know, a lot of this stuff is being made for a loss, or at least it was in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the overseas markets intentionally brought the prices down to the point where they could just take the market share. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there is a, a an increasing demand for domestically made furniture that, you know, may cost a little bit more, but it will last. And it, it, can, it can be transmuted, right? Mm-hmm. You can change the finish. You can change the hardware. You can reupholster things. Um, I'd love to see that start to come back into vogue. For my clients, it is. Because, mm-hmm. again, we're creating something that is timeless, uh, although it's spelled a little bit different. Um, <laughs> T-H-Y-M-E less. Um, more herby. More herby. A uh, little kitchen related. But, um, you know, the, the problem has always been, oh, it's so expensive. It's so this. But if, you, if you're buying that one thing five times over its lifetime, <laughs> Instead of buying that one thing once, you know, I, I think people have a tough time looking at the long term of, of what it is and having things produced here. You know, we, we have the ability to produce 
fabulous things, the mm-hmm. craftsmanship, the thought that goes into it. You know, when you think of some of the great furniture styles, they are designers that were born here, crafted here, you know, making furniture pieces here. And uh, same thing with design work, right? That's just beautiful. And I, I think we need to honor that American tradition that may have been just a little bit lost, but hopefully it's coming back again. Yeah. Yeah, I like those thoughts. I, I mean, these are topics we've discussed ourselves, you know, where is, um, you know, not just the industry headed, but, you know, we have to sort of cater to what our clients are asking for. And there, there are times where we, <laughs> we say, <laughs> not this again, <laughs> you yeah. know. Yeah. No. <laughs> but it's also working with the right clients, right? And yeah. having the right people find you. Um, I have had people yell at me. I've had people hang up at me on me. I've had people say awful things to me because I'm at a different price point than they were expecting to spend. And, um, you know, it's like, well, it's not the cheapest. You're not the cheapest. And I'm like, no, I'm not the cheapest. <laughs> There's a reason. Um, and then I have the, some people call me back and say, we didn't use you and we're really sorry. Mm-hmm. And um, can you fix this now? And I'm like, I, 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 I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't now know it's going to cost fix. even more yeah, to fix it. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, I think the client, the consumer, I'm going to use the word consumer, right? I think they've really been sold a sorry tale about what, they should buy and what they should want, you know, that everything should have a discount, that everything should be on sale. Mm-hmm. And I, I always, I used to say to my kids like, wow, mom, look, this is 50% off. I'm like, no, it's not. It's really the price it should be, but they want you to think <laughs> that you're getting a bargain so that you buy more. Yep. And, um, you know, there's becomes a tipping point really. Like how many, how many do you need? How many do you need? You start to run out of space for things. And my, my, again, my hope is that, this next generation, your age generation, is starting to get it. And I think they're starting to make a difference. And I, I hope that continues. I don't know if you um, experience the same thing, but you know, for us, it's like clients have been um, programmed now to think that we're always trying to take advantage of them. That, you know, our because our price is higher because of the way that we do things, that the reasoning behind that is because we're trying to take advantage of them. Not, I mean, if we showed them the books, it's like, it's very clear that we're not, um, we're not getting rich. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So we're not getting rich, but the owners of these stores that are selling this really, you know, low end stuff, they're making a bundle. So what does that tell you? Right. What does that, what does that really say? I think, you know, we, a lot of our trade. So here's my perspective. I think of a lot of our trade associations, have done a disservice to the professionals in the industry by instead of promoting what we do as a profession and the value that we bring to a project, you know, oh, you can go get free design anywhere. Uh, it's ninety nine ninety nine, and you can have a have a drawing done that's completely done for your house. And I'm like, how is that? You know, yeah. what thought goes into that? And I think that kind of that aspect of everything can be done cheaper has has been ingrained in people and it's really hard for those of us who are trying to explain what the difference is but then by the same token would those people ever really understand or want to understand i think people have a mindset yeah. that nope you're what you're doing you're just charging too much money for all this stuff but when you start to break it down and you look at the details that go that go into each of these things 
And here's a perfect example. We did a very large project for a client and um, they were doing a powder room. And she said, no, 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 I can do all this on my own. I don't really, you know, I don't need you guys to get involved. Um, my contractor did the construction. She goes, I'm going to get, I'm going to order everything myself. And I'm like, okay. And I almost want to say, just make sure you don't get, and then I stopped myself and I said, nope, this is not for you. This, you were just told that your expertise is not needed. Yeah, this is on you. This is on you. And I felt badly, but she was intent. So, um, about two months went by and she called me up and she said, all of the, all of the fittings that we put into the bathroom are falling apart <laughs> and um, this is leaking and that can't get fixed. And what do I do? And I'm like, you know, I can take the trims out, but I got to open the wall to do that. I, and that's what we ended up doing. We had to cut through a closet on the other side of the room to take all the valves out. We had to make all these changes. And she's like, I don't understand what happened. I said, well, you bought the cheapest possible thing that you could purchase. The longevity on it is not there. The parts that go inside to it are not there. The customer service obviously was not there because she was told too bad. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she got burned and I felt really badly for her. But I said, now make sure you tell this story, right? Because that's the story that needs to, to get out there and say, yeah, we bought something that's not going to last and I'm, I made the mistake. Yes, thank you for coming back and fixing it. But they're not going to believe it coming from me. And I think that's the difference. Yeah, it's that Dunning-Kruger. You know, we run into that a lot with clients where you know this much about design or furniture or cabinetry. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, they fancy themselves on an equal playing field with us. And I think a lot of it has to do with the internet, right? Because you can learn, you can do anything. You can mm -hmm. build a battleship by going on the internet and, and reading it and you, you can do it. And again, I just think that the, the idea of the expertise and the professionalism and the knowledge and the training kind of goes back to my, my, what I said earlier about AI, that anybody can do it. And it doesn't really take that, that extra special ability. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that that's starting to reverse a little bit more. I, I believe it is. Um, as I said, I'm, I'm really booked with work. So I know people are coming and people come to hear me talk. I mm -hmm. mean, I speak all over the country and I just came back from, from Las Vegas. I was at the international surface event and I did three presentations and I did a show floor tour and at my tour. So it was all about kitchen and bath products. And, um, and this is a great little show. It really is, especially for things that are really geared toward, surfaces. So it's flooring, it's countertop material, it's tile. Um, they've got, they show you how countertops are made. I mean, all these things that nobody understands, you know, kind of what goes into it. So I had 25 people. They said to me, your tour is sold out. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I was pretty impressed. Right. So I have the gathering, all these people. I'm like, okay, what does everybody do? Flooring, countertops. This, I said, why in the world do you want to tour with me? And they said, we really want to hear what you have to say about these products and what you in your expertise, in your experience, why you would choose these products. And I was like, wow, that's honoring me. I was blown away. I was so humbled by that. But the thought that people are looking for that expertise, even within the industry, people are looking for that expertise. Yeah. And um, it was a good feeling. And we had a great time. And I, plus, I'm also, I'm also networking because I, I gave a talk also on the secret sauce of networking. And so I was like, oh, wait, you need to talk to her because they're trying to do this. And so those two went off and they got something going. And then this other person, I'm like, so now those connections are all starting to bubble. And that's really part of the collective consciousness, right? Mm -hmm. So the more that you talk about this, 
the more it gets out into the air, right? They always say, if you think it, you speak it, um, you'll see it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's really most important. The more we talk about it and the more we put these ideas out there, the more it will it will generate more like ideas. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's part of the reason we do the podcast, you know. We're putting out our ideas and, you know, we get other ideas back and it does. It sort of um, manifests itself a lot of times. You know, I, I really want to go back to the days when Norm was the sexiest man alive. Do you remember that? <laughs> do you remember those days? I, when I was, I was a young designer working for this company and um, the craftsmen that were doing the installations, they were all the old time guys, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. That And when I started, there were no such thing as air nailers. These guys were still using a nail set oh, yeah. and a hammer to put up molding. Jeff's done that. Yeah. And I remember, and it's a good that you do it so that you yeah. learn. Cause I remember when we got that air nailer, they would all plot their jobs out. So they would all get to the moldings on a different day so they could have that compressor. Right. But they worshiped everything that was going on in that, in, in that show and how there was an honor to those homes. Fortunately, where I am, there are a lot of those homes and people are trying to honor that. And the project you're going to be working on for me, right. It's in an old turn of the 20th century home that um, has got craggy walls and saggy floors and, you know, plaster and all, but they really want to honor that home. And uh, they're also young. They're, you know, they're a fairly young family. And I think that's really, that's what I was talking about. Like, if we say it, you'll see it, it'll happen. That's what's starting to come back again. And I I see that this old house is actually doing um, internship programs now and they're bringing people into the trades, which is really, really cool. Yeah. Back when I started, that show meant a lot. You know, it was one of the few sources of information outside of books. Yeah. And um, uh, I've mentioned this before on the podcast. I met Norm on a job. Did you? I was volunteering for um, uh, with the Sierra Club for the Forest Service. We were doing this preservation work, and they came out to film. And the the... The thing is, he's nicer and more skilled and and more humble than you could even imagine. You yeah. know, he, he was everything and more. You know, they say don't meet your heroes, but uh, in this case, I I was just blown away. Yeah, and we we need more of that. I mean, I learned a lot about building and construction watching that show. Mm-hmm. Plumbing and HVAC. What did I know about any of that? You know, watching that, um, I learned a lot from the guys that worked at at the job where I was working at the time. Because you know, what did I know? You know, designers aren't taught any of this. And uh, I always say that any interior designer that wants to go into any form of the kitchen and bath world needs to learn this stuff. And I I have a lot of designers that I coach. They'll call me and say, you know, I'm trying to put design a hood. What do I need to know? And I'm like. How can they not teach you any of this stuff in design school? Yeah. What are you guys learning? And there's not really a lot of places that you can you can learn all of these things. And then in my my younger days at this other job, I worked um, new construction, so I actually had nine multifamily housing projects going. Wow. And at the time, I really learned from the job supers that were on the job site. Yes, it was a trial by fire. Yes, I lived through the Me Too movement when I was in my early twenties. But I learned a lot from them. I respected them. I gained their respect because I was willing to learn and I could speak intelligently to how things, you know, needed to be done and needed to be built. And if I didn't know, I wasn't afraid to ask. 
And I think that's another thing that's missing a little bit today. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to have to learn. I'll let somebody else take care of that. And that's one of the things I wrote about ties. Like this is the perfect place to go if you really want to increase your knowledge and expertise and be of value to both your construction team and your client. Because you are, I, I'm the center of everything goes on in my projects, right? Because if what's behind the walls isn't right, then my work in front of the walls isn't going to look the way it should. And yeah. my clients aren't really going to be served well. Yeah, just that constant, it's, anyone can do it, but having the desire to learn, that's really the important part is, you know, wanting to know all of these things and then actually doing it, you know? Yeah, and I brought a lot, I think I brought a lot of that to the tour and and I didn't lose anybody. I started with 25 people. I ended with 25 people. I thought that was a big deal. Um, And I I think those things are kind of important. Even John, who's down in South Carolina, Mm -hmm. right? You know, I keep threatening to bring him up here to New Jersey. You know, he is out there teaching people and he's got a bunch bunch of friends as well. I know that show every once in a while in his Instagram posts. Um, And I know you guys are connected Mm -hmm. to him. And I think that, you know, it's people are starting to watch it again. You know, there's, they're learning from it. And um, I think it's important. Yeah. So you have K biz coming up in uh, four, four weeks from today. Yes. Three weeks. Yeah. Just, just about Uh, what do you have going on? Well, so I have a couple of things. So signature kitchen suite. I don't know if you've heard of the appliance company signature kitchen suite. Oh yeah. Yeah. So they, I just finished a kitchen with their product. They're doing a great job. I was just invited to be part of their design collective. Nice. So we've got some things that are going on in the Signature Kitchen Suite booth. Uh, they are having a special event at the New American Home, which I go to every time I, I can go to KBIS because that's really interesting to see what's going on in the, that world. Um, I am giving a talk on Wednesday morning called Creating Style with Tile. And it is bridging bridging the gap between quiet luxury, which is what I like to say my style is, and my friend uh, Rachel Moriarty from Rachel Moriarty Interiors in San Diego. She is bold maximalism. So it's bridging that gap Mm. with tile. Uh, It's a two-hour workshop. So that's going to be fun. Uh, Hopefully, I'm going to hone my skills with my chief architect program a little bit more. And um, I had an editorial advisory board, uh, KBB Magazine. I am on their editorial advisory board. So we're going to have a meeting and kind of talk about some of the issues that are going on in the world of kitchen and bath. Nice. Plus getting around to all the booths, yeah. seeing the builder show, yeah. seeing all the interactive things that are going on. It's a monster. It's so big. Our it legs really were big. like destroyed. Yeah. It's a million square feet. You yeah. Know? You have to plan really, really, really well. And, um, you know, try to tackle one hall at a time mm-hmm. and, you know, be strategic in where you're going and what you're seeing. But, you can, you know, you, you really can see everything if you're careful about the way you go about it. Yeah. When we went, it was, I think 2019, right before COVID. So yeah, 2019. Um, and we did, what was it? The full three days. Mm-hmm. So we did K biz the first two days. And then on the last day we finally made it into IBS and it was like, <laughs> we like burned through it in 20 minutes. Cause we were, you're just burnt out you're by burnt that out. point. Yeah, you are burnt out. I think you have to go with a mission, like know what you want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're looking for specific products, you know, find, okay, I'm going to focus on finding these four products. Because there's so many new things that are out there. There's always the big guys that have the loudest, uh, the loudest noise, the biggest music, the biggest booth. But even like I found when I was out in Vegas this last time, I found this great company, Protect All Flooring. And I'm like, oh my God, this is beautiful. I'm going to be able to use this on a project. I hadn't heard from them before. And they had a booth that was the size of this desk. Mm-hmm. But um, 
I try to look for the smaller companies that can be impactful and, and make a difference and appreciate the business. Yeah. We tell all, all of our outside sales reps, um, some are better than others. Rich, who you met is yep. great from Hayfla. Yep. He's the best out of, out of all of them that we have. Um, but we tell them, it's like, we need you to educate us yeah. just on what you have. When you get something new, tell us about it. Yeah. Because if we don't know you have it, we can't buy it from you. And if you're a small company, so look, I worked for a company that at the time was one of the 50 top remodelers in the country. They had that designation. So we would go to something like KBIS. We would blow in there with our whole team and we were VIPs. So we were totally toured through all of the booths. The companies would wine and dine and entertain us. When I left, that all went away. And I'm still the same designer. I'm still working in the business, but all of a sudden I'm not with this name brand company anymore. So what does that mean? I couldn't get people to talk to me. Plus <laughs> I was a woman. So here I am a solopreneur, female designer going to these things. And they look at me and like, I'd ask a question and all the other people stand there. <laughs> and I'm like, really? So I very quickly learned, you know, that it, I was on my own and I, I really had to change the way I went about finding new products. And if I had a question and it was a sales rep and I asked a question, they didn't know how to answer it. They would literally just turn and walk away from me. And I'm like, what are you doing? You know, this is terrible. So um, it, it, it's different. And that's why, yeah, you need really good sales reps. I have one sales rep who is phenomenal and I wish she could rep every single thing that I, you know, that I purchase, which I know I can't because other people, I sell things and I'll call the company with a question. They'll go, who are you? I'm like, well, I'm the person that gave you $200,000 for the business yeah. last year. You know, and they're like, huh? So I, I think that's, that's <laughs> tough for smaller businesses. You need a good rep. Oh yeah. And I really value my reps. They're, I mean, they're so important. We just lost a good one. Our machinery rep, he um, got out of the business, <laughs> but he was irreplaceable. I, I um, agree. I mean, I, I'm going to miss him, not just professionally. I'm going to miss him personally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was a real, had a, a serious shop, you know, doing um, a lot of work. Like they had like 80 employees or something. Wow. Um, big, real big. Um you can't replace someone who has that field experience, right. you know, with someone who doesn't have any. And that's what I've started to value in myself because I'm like, what have I got to offer? And I look at it. I've been in this business for 40 years. <laughs> when added, it's actually a little longer than that. 82, 42 years. Oh my God. Um, I have seen it, mm -hmm. you know, and I've had younger designers look at me and go, well, what do you know? <laughs> how can you possibly, you know, know what's current and what's happening? And I'm like, really? It's interesting. And I've come to realize I do have that experience. I have probably seen it somewhere along the way. Mm -hmm. I've had, I've had to overcome that obstacle. I've had to solve that problem. I've seen the business change. I've been through four downturns in the economy. I'm still here. Like I have walked every single step in your shoes, I have experienced every triumph and every defeat that you have experienced and I've survived. And not everybody can say that, right? There's so many people that have, have gone out of business or are not in the business anymore. Yeah. And I think that that says something about who I am and what I've learned and what I have to bring to you. That's one of the reasons I started doing a lot of these talks because I can help other people like not make the same mistakes when I wasn't getting any help. 
And that, that's been a big part of it. That's really going to be my legacy to the industry is what I can do to help the next, the next generation coming through. They yeah, just have to be willing to listen. Yeah. <laughs> it's a school of hard knocks. You know, they're the hardest learned lessons, but they're the best lessons. Yeah. And you have to mess up or, ha or run into these issues in order to, to learn and get into that next, you know. Yeah, these last two talks I gave them, and I had what, 200 people in the room and they stayed. And afterward, they're asking me questions. I'm like, this is great. So people really, it's turning. I, I, I really do want to believe that the tide is turning and that we really are looking to make those business connections. And there is a secret sauce of networking and there are ways to you know, manage difficult clients and there are ways to forge new bonds and friendships and business connections that will, will help all of us if we just have that mindset. Yeah. And rather than having this adversarial sort of situation where it's you're against the other designers and we're against the other, no, we should all be working together and collaborating and sharing. Mm -hmm. If I find a new way to make a cabinet faster, I should be telling everyone I know. Yeah. And I think, you know, our differences are really what makes us better. That's why Rachel and I doing this, you know, bridging the gap between quiet luxury and bold maximalism. What is the bridge there? You know, would somebody that really likes my style hire her? Would somebody that likes her, her style hire me? You know, but there is a way in between and you can collaborate together. I've mm -hmm. done that with a couple of designers. I'm like, this is so far out of my realm of what I would like to do. Would you like to do this together? Like, yeah. You know, and then we both benefit. You, know, yeah. you just have to take the ego off the table. Once you can, once you can brush that aside, know that you're both really good at what you do and you have different gifts, just bring your, your, your time and your talent to the table and let's see what we can do together. Yeah, there's there's plenty to go around. You know? Yeah, we have other cabinet shops on the podcast. Yeah, um, people do exactly the same thing we do. We're friends. Um, we promote each other. Because you're gonna you're going to get better by helping each other. <clears throat> yeah, we always say you know rising tide raises all ships. Yep, it's true. Yeah, um, if we can get clients to value cabinet makers as a whole more, it's good for everyone. Right. Yeah. I, I shouldn't be against the success of another <laughs> cabinet maker. I should be completely for it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't want to see any cabinet shop close. Well, that's putting out the right energy, right? Mm -hmm. If you're putting out, you know, karma, I love her. She, uh, she has her ways, you know, and I do think if you're, you know, if you don't have the right intentions, she's going to come back around, slap you in the back of the head. Yeah. And I've seen it multiple times. We always take the high road. That's yeah. Our, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. That our... was like Michelle Obama, right? They go, they go low, we go high. Yeah. Um, but I really do think that that is, that is the right approach. It is. Um, even just for your own emotions and everything, you know, when you at the end of the day can lay your head on the pillow and say, you know, I did the right thing. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. No, Absolutely. Absolutely important. Integrity is everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, one of the things I talk about is you can't do business on a handshake. I've signed multi-million dollar contracts on a handshake and you can't do that anymore. And isn't that sad? Yeah. We've talked about it before. We had a, we did a um, commercial job up in Newark for a new residential building and got stiffed on final yeah. and had to, you know, um, file a lien. And it was, it was a process. Yeah. And you, you know, you you wonder why you wonder why there seems to be this idea of, oh, you know, if I don't pay them, I'm going to get something out of this. And it's, again, takes time, but it will come back around. Oh yeah. It will come yeah. back. Well, around. funny enough. <laughs> um, so that was, you know, say two years ago, about a year ago, 10 months ago, 
big um, envelope of papers, you know, two inches thick, show up in the mail. Like, oh, crap, what's this? We're being served. Turns out uh, County Essex never discharged the lien. So we were actually being shown as, you know, lien holders, as, as ownership of this building. He was being sued by someone else that he didn't pay. And the sum of that was um, about 20-fold what he owed us. So. Yeah. So see, karma. Mm-hmm. She's, you know, she's yeah. on the side of the righteous. I do yeah. believe that. Yes. Something we always ask um, interior designers when they come on, you know, because the uh, the listenership is largely other cabinet makers, furniture makers. What do you look for um, when you're looking to find, you know, someone new to work with? What what good advice can you offer the listeners out there to to help them? I, I told you my little story about somebody that I went to vet, right? I think everybody's expectation of quality is a little bit different. And I think it is important on both sides, the design side and on the fabricator side. Know what your tolerance levels are and know who your ideal client is. So I know what my tolerance level is. My intolerance level is probably a little bit higher. (laughs) So I know that I'm going to look for certain details in the way cabinets are put together. I'm going to, and I, I did it in your shop, right? First thing I walked in, there's a beautiful piece of maple there, and I'm kind of running my hand down the side of the panel to say, how is this? And I know it's not finished, but how does this feel now um, when the door is finished? What's going on around that detail? Am I going to run my fingers across chatter, or is it going to be silky smooth? And that is what I'm looking for. So there's a level of quality in the craftsmanship that's going to be super important. Um, The level of quality in the finish is going to be very important. How you present your drawings to me, because obviously I sent you AutoCAD drawings, which were not bad, right? No, they, they were, were they were pretty detailed. Not so, com- we <laughs> get much worse. <laughs> I'm just looking at it's hanging sketches. on the wall up there, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not going to do shop drawings for you to build your cabinets from, but I'm going to give you a drawing that's going to show you what I'm expecting. Right. And I'm going to expect that in return. I was pleasantly surprised when I saw your 3Ds. Oh, thanks. So um, that's going to be on the technical aspect of it. But I'm also looking for somebody that is going to have some integrity and honesty and similar ethics and values that I have, because that's who I want to work with. Because I know that we are going to complement each other and that we're both going to be better for each other. So, you know, for me to get into business with somebody, it's like, my, I talk about my work husband, my brother from another mother. Um, you know, when I first met him, I was looking for, really good contractor to work with because I had worked with a couple who were really not good. And um, I just got a really good feeling from him and I love the client. And I just said to him, I think we might be able to be really successful together. And it's been 18 years and, you know, we bounce ideas off of each other. When I'm having a bad day, I can whine at him. He whines (laughs) at me. Um, You know, we can, we can talk through our problems We talk every day. We have a job meeting every day and it may just be only five minutes, but like, here's what's going on. We cover each other when we're away. And that is, is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a partnership Mm -hmm. in, in the business acumen that we're doing. I don't have to be on the paper business partners with you. My contractor and I are not, we run two completely separate businesses, but we support each other. I would never throw him under the bus. He would never throw me under the bus. If there's a problem, we try to solve it. Um, Fortunately, I can help solve things and he'll see things and he'll fix them. 
And we both have a complete understanding that everything that we do is really for the solution and the final project that we're bringing to the client. So that's really important. Don't, don't point out to me that I did something wrong because I can probably find four things that you did wrong that I didn't really mention. Um, but I'm willing to accept. And I think, you know, don't point the finger blame, you know, stand up. If you make a mistake, admit you made a mistake, find it as it's going through. Let's solve it before it turns into a major problem because it's so much smaller when it's here Mm -hmm. than when it's a finished product. So I, I think that's probably what I look for the most in, in someone that I go to work with. Well, hopefully that's sinking in for the listeners because Lindsay from Lindsay Marie, um, Lindsay Marie Price. Price Designs, who was on a couple of weeks ago, almost verbatim, the, the same thing. thing. It's about teamwork, being solution oriented, you know, when something happens, being forthcoming yeah. about it, how are we going to solve this issue? You know, because like you said, the issue starts out like this before, you know, the client know the client doesn't have to know 99% of these things. Um, the client should never know 99% yeah, of those yeah. things. Um, so it's all about, you know, how are we going to get give the client what they're expecting and what they deserve mm-hmm. and come up with the solutions, you know, that it's going to take to get there? Yeah. And it may, you know, on the designer's part, it may require educating the fabricators mm-hmm. a little bit at what they're really trying to achieve. On the fabricators part, it may be to say, you really can't build it this way, but you can build it this way. Right. It'll have the same look. But if, you know, can we do this instead? Like I said to you with the shelves, I don't need two inch thick solid shelves. I can do a regular shelf with a nice beamed front edge. You're like, oh, okay. Like talk through those solutions and talk through the different things that are going to make a difference in the way a product is constructed. Yeah. It's the same thing. You know, a lot of cabinet makers and designers feel like they need to have this adversarial relationship where it's, it's them against us. Um, Well, it's ego. It's ego. You have to always remember it's ego driven. And if somebody doesn't know something, they're much more likely to become defensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that's, that's, that's the problem. Yeah. There's a video going around and, and, uh, and I won't get into what it's, a, what happens in the video, but the guy says, you know, never attribute to malice what can be attributed to ignorance. You know, yeah. most people, they, if whatever, something happens, I'm not going to think that you did it because you're trying to, you know, give us a hard time. It's just, you know, you didn't know about, I'm not explaining this very well. No, but. I know exactly what you mean. It's not, yeah. you're, you're not doing it on purpose. You're yeah. just doing it because you're unaware. Right. So just to say, and, but you also, by the same token, if somebody says, Hey, you can do it this way. Like I, I wanted to have something built a certain way. And I'm like, well, can't you just do this? And you know, my guy finally said to me, no, because I need a saw that's like a 36 inch blade on it. I'm like, Oh, okay. I get it now. So you'd rather have it done this way. Yes. All right. Let's figure out a way to do it. Right. You know, yeah. and then put the pieces together. So I, I, you know, I think I know how it goes together, but by the same token, if I'm designing a specific detail on something, I'm like, well, why are you doing that? Like, well, because it's a reproduction of a detail that's already in the house and mm-hmm. I'm trying to get that look. So it seamlessly integrates into everything that's going on. Like, ah, okay. Now I understand. Yeah. Communication yeah. is you know, key. We run into a little bit of that with uh, budget. You know, we like to know yeah. the budget because there are ways we can um, alter how we're going to approach the design, the exactly. fabrication, yeah. the material. Like choice. I said to you, if we don't use that, if we're going to do this finish, do we need that wood? You're like, well, no, you really don't. Yeah. And that, you know, that will affect things. And as long as I can get that look and it's going to, maybe we can do it for a little bit less. The client's going to be thrilled, oh, yeah. right? I'll still make my money. You'll make your money mm-hmm. and everybody's going to be happy. 
I think it's when you try to make too much money. Yeah. <laughs> That's where it becomes a little more difficult. Yeah. And I try to be upfront with my clients. I'm like, look, you know, for me, cabinets for this, you know, cost this much money. And if they're like, well, I really want to do that, but I only want to spend this much. I'm like, then I'm not the one for you to do it. Mm-hmm. And we have to be willing to say that. Oh yeah. You know, we oh, have yeah. to be willing to say, because as soon as you say to somebody, oh, well, I can try to do it for less. You're going to hate the job. You're going to hate the job. Um, it's not going to turn out the way you want. It's definitely not going to turn out the way you want. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to turn out what the client wants. Right. And, and there's nothing worse than, than having that unhappy client who's going to be very happy to tell everybody that they're not happy. Right. I want yeah. everybody singing my praises. The client's never going to blame themselves. Never. You know, even if it is there, you know. I recently, made their own bed. I recently went to, went to another client was someone was going to sit on chairs again. And, um, my, my client ended up wanting to, they, we had certain cabinets picked out and they're like, you know, we just don't want to think we want to spend that much money. We want to do something less expensive. And I said, well, you have to understand what you're giving up. And I went through the whole list. And they're like, nope, for that much money, which was 2% of the project. It's not a, not a lot of money. Nope. We're not spending the money. So now everything is in and done. And the clients actually said to my client who was coming to sit test, you know, Sharon told us we really should have used these cabinets and we insisted and we really made a mistake, but don't tell her. So of course, <laughs> as soon as we left, my client was like, you're never going to believe what they said. <laughs> that's a good, good client. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think that's when it comes to budget, like you just have to, you have to know what you're getting and be upfront. Yeah. And I warned them, like I do these cabinets in laundry rooms. So like, no, we're not spending the money. Now they're like, we're going to be here another 20 years. We should have spent the money. You know, it averages out to about $500 a year. Yeah. Yeah. Value is something that people, they look at price, not value, Um, which is, it's hard to. It's our job to change that though. It's our job to educate anybody Mm -hmm. who's listening, right? You're hearing these things. This is what we're hearing. This is what people are saying. And you just have to get comfortable with being able to communicate that to whomever you're working with. Yeah. You know, don't be afraid. And somebody may say to you, you know what, that I'm not working with you. Don't, don't mourn the door that just closed mm-hmm. because you're probably going to miss the next door of opportunity that's going to open. Oh yeah. And that, that's a really hard lesson. Um, I teach designers this, a good designer friend of mine. She said, I listened to one of your talks and you said you can fire a client. And I'm like, well, it's not just firing a client. It's just understanding that might not be the right client for you. She goes, oh, that's right. That is what you said. She goes, well, I, I realized that it was not the right client for me. And I, you know, I politely excused myself from the project. And I, I left thinking, what am I going to do now? I have this huge hole in my schedule. She said the next day, somebody called and said, we're ready to move forward. So I said, there you go. That's really the law of, of cause and effect. And yeah. that's what you just have to remember. Fear and love, right? Two strongest emotions. I'm afraid that I'm going to lose this project, but here comes the project that you're going to love. And that mm-hmm. could, that could change your career. Yeah. And you may have been too busy to take that on, you know, yeah. you're within the other project. We always say, it's like, <clears throat> you know, when you get slow, it's like, you always get to this point where it's like, it looks like it's going to get dark and then <laughs> somebody calls, you know, if you do good work, it always, it always comes in, yeah. you know? Yep. Energy, yeah. energy will take care of you. Yeah. Karma will take care of you yeah. as long as you're on the right side. Yeah. Should we uh, take a, a moment to uh, thank one of our sponsors? Oh yeah. My God. Thanks for remembering. Thank you sponsors. Yeah. 
When you need the right saw blade for the job, put your trust in Ridge Carbide Tools. That's right. For over 50 years, Ridge Carbide has been producing industrial saw blades designed with exact specifications for the cutting results you expect. Before you buy, give Ridge Carbide a call and they'll help you determine the right tool that meets your needs and your budget. And importantly, after the sale, Ridge Carbide provides sharpening services for all your saw blades, dado sets, router bits, and jointer planer knives. Located in Kansas, Ridge Carbide Tools provides high-quality products with outstanding customer service at a fair price. What, what are, are you, you cutting? cutting? <laughs> we also want to thank our sponsor, Unita. Um, you can use the code JOINERY, J-O-I-N-E-R-Y 15 at sandpaper.com and save 15%. Um, we just stocked up on a bunch of the um, half-inch, are they half-inch? No, it may be eight-millimeter uh, sponges in the, um, the firm density in 180 and 320. Yeah, um, nice. Yeah, a bunch of just three by four sandpaper. And uh, we have some some dust adapters coming for the three by four sander and uh, our Dynabraid sander yeah. as well. So yeah. don't overlook that prep work. That's how you get a good finish. Yeah. And Sharon just told us how important it is. So <laughs> save <you> 15%. <laughs> you don't want any jagged cut edges on any of the woodworking in your home. Yeah. Oh, forget about that. The scuffing that goes on in between coats and yeah. everything. It's putting the finish on is the fast part. It's all yeah. that sanding, you know, all the prep. It's kind of like putting makeup on, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's all the way you finish it. I might have to try that. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, you know, we get like a, a light and we have like a raking light. When you're sanding, you can see all these little that's when you really see the imperfections. Yeah. And, I, and I can see it. Mm-hmm. I can see it. I can see a, a quarter inch at a level and, and 10 feet. And people are like, how do you see that? I'm like, oh, I can see it. So, <laughs> yeah, well, we know that this is one inch out on 20. So Yeah, but I've already told you that. That's not bad. <laughs> Did a closet in Midtown that was um, an inch and a half out in six feet. Oh, that's really easy to hide. Yeah. yeah. Pre-war building. Especially when you have to build the cabinets inside of the room that's because you, know, you can't yes. can't get them uh, up the stairs or around the corner. Yep. That's when you would stand all your your uh, material on top of the elevator car and take it up. I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We did a job in Hobo, uh, Hoboken. Yeah. Hoboken. Maxwell Place. Yes. It was one of those new Toll Brothers buildings yep. um, for another designer. We built this like 11 foot long white floating media console, you know, a real contemporary, short and really long and um, finished it and then said, oh my God, this is going to Hoboken. Eighth never floor. even, yeah, never even Hello, staircase. thought of it. <laughs> it just fit into the elevator, oh, into the freight elevator diagonally, you know, yep. Yep. Um, from one corner to the other. When I first started working, I was talking about multifamily housing units. So Willow Avenue, all the way down the first 10 blocks, I did all of those apartments. And Maxwell House was still a coffee factory. Wow. That's how long ago that was. And now I, I did work in that building. It's really interesting to see what Hoboken's become. I didn't yeah. even know that's why it was Maxwell Place. Yeah. It's Maxwell Me House either. Coffee. Yeah. Yeah. There was a Coco Lopez building there. It was all the coconut wow. factory. I didn't know that either. Yeah. There was a Carborundum factory. And mm-hmm. where was it? Woodbridge or Old Bridge, which is sandpaper. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, New Jersey was and still is a hotbed of industry. There's a lot of things that go on here. It's a pretty cool state. Yeah. You know, for a little teeny place, there's got a lot. We get a lot pork of pork roll, Taylor ham. Yeah, you it's know. Pork roll. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a firm believer it's pork roll. See, I grew up, you know, sort of near Trenton in West Windsor. That's where that's 
you know, the genesis of work role is Trenton. Ah, well, if you ever go to Disney and you go on the, uh, the safari boat ride, that's going to be a big question if you are oh, work really? roller Taylor Ham. Yes, it is. Mm. Uh, are you Jersey bred and born? I was born in Patterson, New Jersey and raised in Shark River Hills. So, yes, I am. Shark River Hills is, um, I know it's south, of, slightly south of here. So, if you go to Belmar mm-hmm. and you stand in the Belmar Basin and you look across that bay on the other side... At the end of the Shark River, that's where Shark River Hills is. Okay. Is that where like that an- big antenna is that I'm talking about? Not um, sure if I know where the antenna is, but I do know where Shark River Hills is. <laughs> yeah, what is that? We've talked about this before. Yeah. We, we drive by it sometimes um, coming back. It was, you know, it has some famous, um, let's see. It did, it oh, did something, the first yes. something. Yes. You are correct. I used to ride my bicycle up there. Um, Marconi, Marconi's. Yes. Oh, that's right. Yes, that's see, right. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Because we talked about going there. That to, is to on the other side. Out. So you were really no longer in Shark River Hills oh, when okay. you did that. You had stepped out into another area. But yes, that's the Marconi yeah. Tower that's over there. Yeah. It, yep. It's funny. I've lived in New Jersey now for 22 years, which is like 20 years longer than I've ever lived anywhere. Yep. And I still don't feel like I'm from New, like I don't say I'm from New Jersey, which is ridiculous. Yep. I spent some time in Florida, um, came back here though, but um, yeah, I oh, think yeah, that might be in, Wall Township. Yeah. Is that Wall Township? Yeah. And there's a, um, a museum now across the street, which was previously, I'm not sure what the building was, but um we're getting into a little New Jersey history here. Yeah, right? yeah. We, we've gone off the rails many times, <laughs> basically weekly. <laughs> well, you're going to have to come up to Wyckoff and visit me up there at uh, yeah. Time and Place Design in Wyckoff, Definitely. New Jersey. You have a brick and mortar up there. I do have a design studio. It's probably the size of the space that we're sitting in right mm-hmm. now, but that's, I had a big showroom. I actually had six people working for me at one point, And then I just thought this is, it, it's, it's, it's managing way more than I want to manage. Yeah, and, it sounds like um, a headache. Just kind of reduce the size of my business uh, footprint a little bit, not my business, and change the way I'm doing things a little bit. And uh, uh, moved upstairs, so I still have my samples. So I meet with clients there. So I have my finishes and my hardware and my door samples. Um, but, you know, the business has changed. You don't really need a showroom that... Sorry, showroom owners. You don't really need a showroom that has live action... Um, displays anymore because the displays constantly change and you know most people know what they're looking for so as long as they can see the quality of the product and my clients are really good I I bring one client to another client's house all the time there's I always say I'm going to start a Facebook page it's going to be the time place design you know project family and that will all be able to to get (laughs) together and a lot of them do they all know each other because friends recommend friends Um, but that's uh, that's for my little place up there nice and you can find me. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm mm-hmm. Sharon L. Sherman on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram at Time and Place Design. I'm on Facebook, Time and Place Design. So I'm in a, a couple of different places. I love to hear from people. So I hope that uh, your listeners will reach out and let me know what they're working on. And look, that's how I met you guys, right? Yeah. This is what this is all about, talking just like this, except now we're in the same room right. before we weren't. Yeah. Um, and I think this is a great way to get to know one another and expand business possibilities because you never know when you're going to be somewhere I say, Hey, you know, I, I met someone through whatever, like on my tour, right. I was connecting people. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's the really important part of what 
discussions like this are all about, right? Mm-hmm. It's expanding your business universe. Yeah. Yeah. We love networking. Um, we have some, uh, they're friends of ours now that we do a bunch of business with them down in new doors. Yeah. Um, you got our finishes from them. Um, and, uh, it's Jim Jamal. Yeah. I mean, maybe we'll get John to come up from Charleston yeah. and do some stuff with us up here. He was doing training in, I think it was summit in the summertime, but the timing just wasn't, you know, yeah. it was like, I'm going to be at this place tonight at eight o'clock. I'm like, it's Thursday. My wife's working. I got my, I'm like, it's just not going to work. <laughs> we should, you should organize a party somewhere. Yeah. We Every, did do a meetup for yeah. the podcast at um, a local brewery a couple of years ago, but. Let's we, just just we, make sure they're gluten free and then I'll come. Oh yeah. <laughs> they might have one. All right. We've been meaning to do an open house here, but as yeah. you can see. Um, <laughs> there's a, there's a unique charm to this space. I'm not so sure that I would change a thing. <laughs> That 70s vibe. Yeah. Hey, 70s is popular. Brown yeah. is big right now, and you guys are totally right in oh, the center we're of that lane. Brown. <laughs> so I think you'll be great. If you, Especially the plaid. <laughs> if you like push those uh, clipboards to the side, it's like really light color. You know, you can see they've the, been there for a long time. This is like a time capsule. I think it's great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, these curtains are, yeah. they're quite a specimen. <laughs> I think it's great. I, I love it. I, you know, I don't need it to be a sleek, fancy place that mm-hmm. I'm coming to. I, I'm looking for the products that are coming out of it. And the equipment that you have here is beautiful. Although everything does have a little bit of a haze from the, uh, <laughs> from the sawdust in there. Oh, but, yeah. oh know, we just ran a bunch of stuff through the shaper today. Yeah. But that's, and that's probably why I sound the way I do. Uh, <laughs> just a little bit raspy. But um, that's, you know, that's that's part of the fun. I love the coffee maker kind of hanging off the wall there. And yeah. Yeah. You know, that's all, that's all the charm. Yeah. We built um, a couple nightstands that actually they went down to Naples, Florida and um, you know, we always make extra parts. So they were on, they were on, no, they were floating. Oh, actually they went out to Aspen. Um, so I had all these extra parts. So I said, Oh, I'll put it together. We can put the coffee maker on it. Not thinking about dimensions or anything, just that we had it. Um, so I put it together and then come to find out that it's like too small for the, that particular <laughs> Nespresso machine. Hey, so it, it, has it to, works. It has it's to got go an diagonal. interesting angle. Yeah. It's a little zhuzhed yeah. <laughs> to the side and I think it works, but you know what? It serves a purpose and, um, I, I think it's great. And I love the bulletin board, which is non-existent, but yeah. I think, you, but you have chocolate. So I think that's yeah. what more do you need? Yeah. You want one? Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> So do you have any um, final words of wisdom for the listeners before we sign off? Final words of wisdom. You know, there's a very famous uh, quote, and I use it a lot in my presentations, and it says, always be yourself because everyone else is already taken. And I think that really speaks to um, what you were saying about we can be um, working in the same industry, working nearby each other. We all bring something unique to the table to celebrate the things that you do that are unique and, you know, don't, don't let anybody just detour you off your path. If you know that you're going in the right direction, your feet are on that path and you're going someplace. Don't let a naysayer come along and say, Oh, you can't do this or you can't do that. Or, you know, you can't collaborate or you can't cooperate. You know what? They're not the advice that you need. So always be yourself and don't be detoured off your path because you're headed in the right direction as long as your heart tells you so. Mm. That's great. Yeah, be authentic. 
Although to me, authentic has gone the way of the word moist, but I'll go with that. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> like bespoke and artisan also. Oh, curated. Yeah, now it's a, oh, God, it's yeah. a little bit of a red flag. Yeah. 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 This has been awesome. Thank you so much oh, for inviting me yeah, thanks to for have coming. this conversation. I can't wait to, uh, to hear it, to listen to it. Yeah, and it won't be the last. Uh, Friday at 5 a.m. Every Friday at 5 a.m. And I am normally awake Friday at 5 a.m. That's when I'm doing emails. So Me I too. will be able to listen. Uh, in. Another early riser. Yeah. Hey, early bird catches the worm, Ben Franklin. Yeah, that's great. Right. <laughs> but the second mouse gets the cheese. <gasps> there you go. Who moved <laughs> that cheese? Yeah. Well, thanks. Thank you. Uh, we'll have to have, it, have you on again. Yeah. I'd love to come back. Yeah. Hopefully it'll be post-project and we can discuss how everything went. Ooh. Yeah. I'd love it. Yeah. yeah, there's going to be a lot of projects. So maybe we can discuss a few of them and see how yeah. it all goes. Yeah. This would be great. Thank you, guys. Oh, all right. Thank you. We'll, we'll uh, talk to everybody next week. Take care. We truly appreciate you listening. If you want to support the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Share the show with your friends or consider subscribing to our Patreon. We'll see you next week. Yeah.